This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 131 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have an emergency checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our review of the Rooster Brothers' new Netflix film, The Gray Man. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 131 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy duty. Welcome to episode 131 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. Uh, we have an emergency checkup today. Some exciting news. Some mind-blowing news from the DC Warner Brothers, HBO Max, Discovery World, the whole shebang. Right? I'm joined by the one and only, my co-host, my podcast best friend and real-life best friend. And my DC aficionado, Ricky Flicks. How are you, my friend? It's uh, I'm honored to join you on back-to-back recordings, back-to-back releases for such intense news and for an interesting review. This is this is probably the most shot. I did not see this coming. This might be the start of something. This is I can't believe it. I think this is this is a. Uh, a moment in time where it might be the start of like a trend. It might be like the cut, the streaming wars, the competition, the, pr- the, the price and costs are so high. The budgets are getting ridiculous. You're seeing Netflix's cash flow issues right now. And now it's like, all right, let's all these other streamers don't want to be like that. So they're just cutting the cord before the, the, like we're able to do anything, not even cut the cord. It's like, we're we're not. I don't even know what the. Uh, the we're not going to roll out the TV. I don't know what how to even to describe this. This is interesting because it seems like these streaming services have been slaves to content for so long, and it seems like now the streaming services are putting their foot down. But in this case, it's a very interesting and unique scenario with the Warner Brothers Discovery merger that just happened regarding HBO Max and the former ownership of HBO Max from AT and T. Like there is some real interesting things going on here. So before we dive into, right, whether we think this is the right decision, wrong decision, what it exactly means for HBO Max, Warner Brothers Discovery, right, what it means for these actors, let's go into like what exactly is happening right now because I think so. There's going to be some listeners that maybe didn't look at the title of this uh this podcast and they might be like, what the hell are these guys talking about and why do they sound so excited about? So I'm going to read through a couple of different tweets. Uh, something that kind of took the movie new the movie world by storm uh, over the last couple hours from when we're recording on this Tuesday night. So Batgirl, which was initially set to be an HBO Max release set within the DC Extended Universe starring Leslie Grace's Batgirl, starring J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, her father in the series, okay, supposedly. You had Brendan Fraser that was going to be included as Firefly, the main antagonist of the movie. And then Michael Keaton was set to reprise the role of Batman, 
right? In a multiversal type of story, kind of set after the ramifications of the upcoming Flash movie that also will supposedly include Keaton. We'll get to that. We're not sure if exactly what's happening with that movie either. So Batgirl will not be released theatrically or on HBO Max. Neither one. Okay, so Warner Brothers Discovery decided to cancel the release of Batgirl as they are, quote, committed to making DC titles, big theatrical event films, and Batgirl isn't that, end quote. Next, Batgirl, right, at the time of this announcement, was in the final stages of post-production when it was canceled. It was done filming. They're making final edits. It was ready to go. A rival studio executive on Batgirl being canceled said, quote, they worked in this town for three decades, and this is some unprecedented SHIT right here. End quote. So, and then lastly, last important bit of news before we get into it. Batgirl was canceled so it could take a tax write-down. This was seen internally as the most financially sound way to recoup the cost compared to an HBO Max or theatrical release. So basically, that last text is important, right? That last tweet is important because basically saying that this movie was not going to be financially successful, even if it was just released on HBO Max by the subscribers it got. If it went in theaters, it wasn't going to make enough money. They looked at this $100 million budget. It wasn't going to surpass this budget, right? And we had gone over budget initially, and that it was best to take it as a write-off and to basically include it with the merger that happened because these plans were set in place before all this went down with Warner Brothers and Discovery. Ricky Flux, am I right about most of this? Yes, and I think a key thing here is like everything you said is spot on. I just think a key, like, um, a key addition would be you've mentioned the budget. It is reported that in order to market this movie, to promote this movie, and even do a theatrical release, it would at minimum double the budget. Wow, and there is no way. They were going to make that, that back and they knew that. And it's just what's crazy. Why, why, why is this so shocking? It's because post production less than three, uh, three months away from the release. And like right before you're about, you're about to see a teaser probably is when they shut this down. The latest stages possible to shut a movie down is when like has never been, this has never been done before for a major movie or project like Batgirl with a Michael Keaton, a Brendan Fraser, two people that have been in the industry for so long that have started JK Simmons, JK Simmons, Leslie Grace is on the come up after in the Heights. Um, it, 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 and Warner brothers, this is telling for a studio. Warner brothers might be like, they're one of the big six studios. They might be the most iconic studio. And they're the ones doing this as well. That is telling, especially after their issues with Christopher Nolan, their issues with Denny V with Dune and that getting a theatrical release and also an HBO max release. So they are coming They're They're basically saying, Hey, this is a business, right? We want, this is Warner brothers. Still, we want you to make great films, but you know what? If you're not going to make money, we're going to cut you off. And that's a problem that Netflix they're trying to catch up to these established studios and with IP content and saying, hey, we're just going to let you run. But like our review today in The Gray Man, clearly when they let directors run and they don't cut them off, they get a bad product. And there's a couple more seasons, a couple uh, TV series from Netflix today that got announced after a, a single season that got cut again or canceled. But Warner Brothers, what they're going to start with, 
they're setting the precedent right now is that before they release the season, they're going to cut it off before it even gets uh, uh, before it comes out, before it releases, which is but, unprecedented. But this is kind of crazy because I think this is a once – I don't think this is going to be a repeated scenario because of the merger. And like The fact that they could write this movie off. They did the same thing with a animated Scoob sequel that I believe was going to be like a holiday or a, a holiday special of some sorts right? as a result. Um, why I find this shocking is for a couple of reasons. One is that you have the leniency of the MCU with Disney Plus, and you see that type of relationship happening right now. All these series coming on. We've yet to see the DC Extended Universe relate with HBO Max in a meaningful way that is like uh, products that are strictly made for HBO Max, right? And this would have been one of the first major ones, if not the first major one, alongside the likes of stuff we may talk about today with like Blue Beetle that was supposed to come out on HBO Max. Uh, and then uh, Green Lantern Corps that was supposed to come on HBO Max. There's also a uh, Superman-related product that might be a TV series on HBO Max. All that kind of is in flux right now. But also the DC Extended Universe set like this tone, right? After moving on from the Snyderverse that they were going to have these female-led projects, these diverse-led projects, all right, where we have Sasha Call, Latina actress, playing, right, a super... A, a relative of Superman. You have Leslie Grace, an African American actress, playing right Commissioner Gordon's daughter as Batgirl. And now, right after setting this precedent, you're going to have these female-led, female-empowered superheroes that of uh, that are uh, obviously multiracial. All of a sudden, they're getting this project pulled underneath them after it was 100% completed and it was in post-production. Like to me, that is such a bad look. Because you wanted to separate yourself. You wanted to say, hey, what were you doing that Marvel wasn't doing? Now you are setting priorities that, okay, it's not really based on the background of the actors, like the female empowerment that we're talking about. It's more about what are actual events for our audiences. And I think that just is a huge hit for the DC brand after they've had such a hard time like kind of recouping and trying to get over what happened with the Snyderverse and what happened with Justice League and into like the fanfare and all that. It just it's you're once again causing a rift between the studio and the fans. You know what I mean? Definitely. This is like the one thing the female led characters, superheroes, is what Disney uh, Warner Brothers had over Disney over Marvel. And we saw when Marvel tried it, Captain Marvel, Black Widow, they relate to the party. Right. We're and this isn't just like we had Wonder Woman, right? Harley Quinn, huge successes. Even in Harley Quinn in the suicide in Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, that was an atrocious movie, but somehow we got in Harley Suicide Quinn Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, yeah. Not yeah. the Suicide Squad. Right. Suicide Squad, yes. So and she got her own solo movie. She was in the Suicide Squad. And again, it's the one thing they had. Now I'm going to have a hot take here. Yes, I agree. This is this is a terrible look. This is awful. But I if this wasn't going to be good or this wasn't going to like come out to something, then this is what you should do. This is honestly what a studio should do. You don't want to be Netflix where they're struggling for cash and then they can't do anything. And then they're going to cut off Martin Scorsese, cut, cut off all these famous film filmmakers 
from joining them from the future because they don't want to do any more projects, but then they're making Gray Man franchises spinoffs. We don't want to be there, right? Especially if you're a Warner. So, okay, we can't be doing that. And also, this also kind of clears up the DCEU versus DC. This kind of makes things simpler. The, the HBO Max movies that were about to come out we're kind of going to muddle things up a little bit. Like what we're, what we're hearing about potential Supergirl movie and a Batgirl movie, it's diverting like from the potential we have of like Henry Cavill returning, right? We see what Robert Pattinson is doing. We have Michael Keaton that was supposed to come back. They have Ben Affleck that's now being like teased and he's going to be in not only The Flash but Aquaman 2 as well. This kind of helps clear up the DCEU vision. So I 100% exactly. agree with what you're saying. It does clear up the vision a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's like, like me, like, and I don't, I didn't, I wasn't sold that this movie was going to be successful. We saw the suit, right? It looked almost like a little CW esque. We weren't convinced on these filmmakers, but at the same time, like, I'm going to be a little sympathetic because they literally made an entire movie that will never be seen. Like they, 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 they had their movie canceled for a tax write off. They made a superhero movie in the age of superheroes that it's a part of the Bat family and it got written off. That is embarrassing. I feel bad for these guys. And like, it just felt like the rugs being absolutely taken from underneath them. It's okay. Yes. I am. Brendan Fraser too. Our plump boy getting taken away a superhero villain opportunity. Get him like Marvel. Get him on the phone right now. Get him on the phone right now. We need, we need him like in a superhero movie to get help with this, uh, Fraser science. We got to get that back on track week. He was having a monster week. The still of the whale, the whale. came out. He mm. was talking about Sadie Sink. He was talking about Darren Aronofsky. He was on, he's on a lot of short lists, like potential like best actor Oscar, nominees. Yeah, he's yeah. getting the hype this week. And then all of a sudden, just splat. Like his freaking uh, character was going to be in this movie, a fly or whatever. Like splat. Like holy crap. Terrible uh, week it's been for him past seven days. But Same with Michael Keaton, by the way. Michael Keaton came out saying he's never seen a Marvel property as after being one of like hailed as one of the best Marvel villains we ever got. And then like this happens to him. I'm low-key just like, that's what you get, bro. That's what you get for not yeah, showing respect dude, it's... to these fan bases. I know you're a busy guy, but the fact that you say that and you know how much people care about that character, disrespectful. It's it's unbelievable. And I just want to say this. Remember the podcast when we said that maybe the DCEU wasn't going to have a Batman and not going to have a Superman. What were they going to do? The Superman from the uh, Supergirl from the Flash and the, uh, Leslie Grace's Batgirl was going to replace. Uh, it's off the table now. That's yeah. just impossible now. And I'm not saying I wouldn't like them to be like prominent. It's interesting because now we get a picture of Affleck coming out in Aquaman too. We get a All picture of a sudden. Of, is no, he no, back in the yeah. picture? We get a no, no. We get a picture of Affleck. We get Henry Cavill news or rumors around uh, Comic Con last week. I think the Snyderverse, unfortunately, is dead. But I'm not saying the Snyderverse characters are dead now. No, I think no. they're on the way back. If anything, like judging by this, judging by the quotes from this news story saying they want to have big theatrical events, like what's the best way you want the DCEU to keep kicking? Bring back Affleck, bring back Cavill, bring back Batman, bring back Superman. You don't have to worry about continuity issues, right? You can still have what uh, Pattinson's doing right now. Just get Keaton out of there. Honestly, just get Keaton and- out of there. I was never like on board in the first place. Like everyone wants to see Affleck instead. I know a lot of these people that are interested in seeing these superhero movies. I get it. There's some people that feel like such a strong connection to Keaton. 
Okay. But a lot of younger audiences, they want to see Affleck back in the role. Get him back in there. Why not? It doesn't have to be Zack Snyder just because these actors are there. It's not like like Joe Johnston like directed the first Captain America, first Avenger, right? He was there early on, phase one. Does he have anything to do with like the subsequent Captain America movies? No, the Russo brothers came in with Winter Soldier, Civil War, and then obviously Infinity War, Endgame. It doesn't have, you can keep the same core. You can keep the same character. Just bring different people to make different types of movies around them. That can be honestly the best case solution for the DC extended universe. Bring it back. Let's see what happens. Affleck, maybe even directs his own movie. Who knows? Just get him back. There's just like, even if they don't get us like Cavill should get a solo one. I'm not sure that like Affleck should after the success of the Batman, maybe you don't make another solo Batman with Affleck yet. But, like, have him still a part of the universe. Maybe a Justice League movie comes out again, all right? And he becomes a centerpiece once again, right? It's possible. He's good in the role. I mean, this does provide that opportunity. It's crazy. A downfall like this, what seems like such a terrible situation, could actually be a positive. And it could be the direction that actually DC needs to be successful in the future. We're so on the same page with this. Like, I again, I hate <laughs> people are gonna hate this take, but like, us people are gonna hate this. Like, it's just it's similar to like when like an uh, a professional athlete versus the owners and like negotiations when like you don't want to take yeah. the owner's side because you want to see the players get paid, like in the MLB. But it's like, okay, well, then if we have a 125 game season, we can't be paying you like it's 164 games let alone pay people, you more. And then it's like, oh my God, you're not on the player's side. It's like, people well, are going to be thinking like we're cheering for Dan Snyder, bro. By cheering for like, <laughs> like Warner brothers. Like they think we're cheering for Dan Snyder. And like based on like their past transgressions and what they've done with these characters, with this universe, with this studio, they're going to be acting like we are the Washington commander fans, you know, like, yeah, like just, supporting Snyder. And again, like, it's not like Warner brothers is squeaky clean. Like I mentioned, Nolan, Denny V, the DCEU, Josh, like everything, Josh Whedon, like they are far from squeaky clean. But we care about these characters, bro. We care about these characters. Yeah, the characters, I can't, they're big in the studio, but to us, they are as fans. So we got to protect them at all costs. 100%. It's not like Batgirl will never be in a movie. It's just this Batgirl, this project, this vision is dead 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 and i'm and okay the, with it the fact they want to focus on big theatrical events makes me think about what was just what just happened at comic-con right we only had presentations of two different trailers shazam and black adam okay shazam this was probably going to be a third shazam is, is somewhat of a financial success it's a huge character and it's a potential huge movie theatrically for DC. I think it's going to make more money than the first movie based on like especially the Zach Levi aspect but beyond that the, the villains the Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu right? Rachel Zegler. That movie's got has box office potential and then obviously Black Adam with The Rock box office potential alright? So I'm not totally shocked that we didn't hear more about what's happening with Warner Brothers and DC during this during this Comic Con we obviously heard a lot about like House of the Dragon because that's going to be an absolute banger. Everyone's going to watch that. It's going to be so profitable for them. But they look at almost that slate of DC, that DC timeline that they probably have, like at Warner Brothers, what they have inside those like very dark protected rooms and what they have those meetings and like what's going to happen next. 
they're probably like scratching they're making x's on things like that blue beetle movie i know they changed it from an hbo max to a theatrical release but when you think about like big like superhero events do you think of blue beetle and whoever no. the hell is playing him yeah. no blue Have beetle no stills of that looks like a cw character get him out of here right that's focus next. more on what we're talking about that's next and also by the way shazam huge success by the way 100 million dollar budget more than tripled its budget just domestically not even worldwide yeah. so sequel's like, holy be better. crap really and the sequels usually make more money anyways usually um so yeah exactly um wonder woman say, probably still gonna I, keep it I was that's what i was gonna go with it until like i said the shazam thing so wonder woman besides blue beetle that's the next next circle what do you do it's tough if to tell I, after that second one because obviously the HBO Max release it was tough. COVID. Exactly. But it did very well on HBO Max. The problem is it wasn't good critically. And it's similar to this where it's like they were going to have to pay a fortune to get people to see this movie. It, not necessarily saying it's good. Just the draw wasn't there. Wonder Woman now doesn't have the same draw it did after the first one for the sequel, 1984, just because of how bad it was. So... It's like, okay, here we go again. And do we have, is Patty Jenkins even coming back? We don't even know. Gal Gadot, is she even good anymore? Like, do people want to see her still? They're I both signed yes, on to the third saying, one, I'm pretty sure. I just, I could picture Wonder Woman becoming like a Batman or Batfleck where she's just in like other movies. That That's good though. Like that should happen yeah, in my opinion. I, I agree you with know? it. I, like, Unless like, like somehow honestly, they rekindle like, the first magic. And I'm trying to think of like like HBO Max, what we're also talking about. I know our internets are kind of crossing over a little bit. It's kind of tough right now. But uh, what it makes me think of like HBO Max, what are they known for compared to other streaming services? A lot of the HBO Max content made, right? I know we're talking about Wonder Woman. It's not going to be made for HBO Max in the future. But I just think about like how Warner Brothers and like Discovery plan on running their streaming service in the future. They care about the actual content that's going on there and the quality of it. We're going to talk about the gray man today with Netflix. And we're talking about like money being thrown at these directors to make whatever movies they want. It seems like HBO max and Warner brothers now discovery. They are, they're, they're honing in a little bit and like, okay, saying this is going to be good. This is not going to be good. They just like had it. They signed a license licensing deal. I believe for a bunch of a 24 films, they want their streaming service, not just to have, but everyone views as entertaining, but also just straight up good. That's just why like, they got rid of family program. They're not focused on family friendly programming right now. Just little, yeah, that just came out too. Like literally, if you want to make a DC product within HBO Max or on HBO Max, it's got to be something worthwhile. And it just was clear that Batgirl was not going to be that based on what they were set, but based on like the amount of subscribers it was going to generate, but also like that level of quality they expect on an HBO Max. And that's yeah, what I respect. I like I that. respect it so much too because like look at this like, like Netflix uh, they're yeah. trying to do they're trying to like they even said in the last earnings call they're trying to find their own Harry Potter they've said that and they don't think Stranger Things is that so they're trying to find their own they're going to keep spending money the Gray Man is not that either and we'll talk about it so they're going to keep trying to find theirs they're also getting into animated and they're trying to find their own like competition for Disney HBO Warner Brothers is saying hey. Disney is so far ahead of us on family-oriented stuff. Pixar, Mickey Mouse, everything you could think of kids-wise, Disney owns. Let's just not focus on that right now. 
Let's don't focus try on and what replicate. Don't look try what, and replicate. Yes. And then look what Apple's doing. If you go on the, if you have Apple TV Plus, go on it right now. Literally in less than thirty seconds, you will look at every, you will see every single piece of content on Apple TV Plus. There is nothing on there. It's minimally nothing, and it's all but homemade. Yeah, but you, it's all homemade, but it's all like, even if you don't like it, you could tell the quality is there. There's a lot of stuff on there I don't like, but you could tell that hey, this is money well spent and like a well produced project. Unlike Netflix, which we'll talk about again, but it's like HBO. They're known for well-produced content, the best content with regards to TV, and they don't want to lose that. And you know what? With the streaming wars, they're realizing, especially with Netflix's woes, they shouldn't be competing competing for stuff that they're not good at, such as the family-oriented stuff, a la Disney. They should be competing at what they're good at. And that's what they're doing here. you got to respect it. Yes, it sucks. It sucks for filmmakers because we're usually, or we are on the filmmaker side here. We sh- should be able to see this movie, especially since it's done. But at the end of the day, in these streaming wars, in this environment, this climate here, this was the uh, extremely ruthless, savage move, but the smart one. You know what this is like, Ricky, which is really crazy to think about. This is like looking at phase five of the MCU timeline all those projects that were announced, like maybe an early phase five product is done, right? And like Quantumania is done filming. And all of a sudden it's being crossed off that list for all fans to see, right? Where all that's in post-production, it's not as big of a movie, it's not as big of an event. But then again, you still have like Michael Keaton returning to this movie, right? You got J.K. Simmons in this movie, Brendan Fraser on his comeback trail as the main villain in this movie, some big name stars. But the fact that the MCU plans out everything so far in advance, they give you title dates, right? And when things are coming, uh, I should say release dates, uh, even if sometimes they have to make slight adjustments, they don't like throw off fans to the point where they take it completely off the table. It's exactly what happened here, right? Looking at a less than a year away, this movie was going to come. It's, it was completed, and it just shows as much as we love the idea of the DCEU slate kind of being cleansed and the fact that we might open ourselves to bigger theatrical events with these major heroes. Like, imagine, like, there's other fans other than us who just wanted to see Batgirl. And all of a sudden, they, this, it's really, it's pulled out from underneath them and all because it's a tax write-off. That is so disrespectful. That's crazy. But that's business, baby. That's business. That's how it goes. All right. Any final thoughts before we move on to the gray man? And going from that to the gray man is quite the transition here. I There's a connection, I guess. We, yeah. We haven't talked about this movie over text or in person, like at all. So I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this. It's quite the transition. Like, here we go. Let's get into it. All right, so The Gray Man, highest budgeted Netflix movie of all time, I believe. All right, with the Russo brothers directing a $200 million budget. Rotten Tomatoes currently has this movie at a 46%. 46% uh, critic score, audience score, right? He's at a 91%, all right? Very different, right? 46 for the Rotten Tomato critics. Uh, 91% audience score. IMDb currently has it at 6.5 out of 10. Synopsis reads, when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none accidentally, uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former co- colleague 
puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. So as I said before, I actually didn't say this before, film stars, right? Huge names, including Ryan Gosling in the lead role, alongside, or it's opposite of him, I should say, the man in the cat and mouse game trying to hunt down Ryan Gosling, someone that is uh, connected to the CIA, uh, sort of underground and somewhat uh, in, uh, non-explicitly. You have Chris Evans, and then you have Ana de Armas in a female, almost like no time to die, right? Action star type role here. Renee Jean Page is a CIA operative, okay? A head, like one of the, a head of a certain agency within the CIA. And then Billy Bob Thornton also basically was the predecessor to Renee Jean Page's role. Renee Jean Page's role. Tough name to say. So Ricky Flicks, high budget, huge cast. Russo Brothers, you think Infinity War, you think Endgame, you think Civil War, you think Winter Soldier with the MCU, okay? What were your expectations going in for the Gray Man? Go ahead. Well, I think this has been weird, a weird 2022 for Netflix in general, right? You got the first loss of subscribers in a quarter, the stock plummets. Uh, then you get another quarter of losses over a million, uh, close to a million subscribers lost last quarter. And they're saying that they're not going to be doing high budget movies or like just throwing the bags at people anymore. But then their highest budget movie comes out the month after that, those comments. Okay. So this movie, I'm not going to say do- was doomed, but I'm going to say did not have the greatest welcome from its studio. All right. Telling audiences, hey, our plan is not working, throwing money at people. And the movie that's about to come out that we're relying on keeping you as a subscriber is probably not going to be that good. And I threw, we threw a lot of money at it. And what also wasn't good for it was last fall when Red Notice came out, which also had a $200 million budget. It was so and, much to get the rights for that movie, too. It's the same boat. Yep. And, you could, and you could say those had bigger stars in it. Like they they had bigger stars in it, and I just looked up the Rotten Tomato score for that. Do you remember that? Uh, I would say it's around like mid forties, forty eight or something like that. It's a thirty six. Oh man! Do you know the audience score? I'm gonna say it was like eighty. Ninety two. Oh my god! Remember, it's the most watched Netflix uh, movie ever. Okay, allegedly. So. This movie, The Gray Man, didn't have a good backdrop for it. I feel bad for that because my expectations before, even after Red Notice, I'll say, was still high because it's the Russo brothers who do cinematic events that know spy throws who are do that do quirky dialogue well, thinking of Arrested Development, how they got their their kind of breakout, right? Directing a bunch of those uh, money's going to be put towards it, you know, right? Netflix, huge amount of money and. You have Chris Evans, Captain America, reuniting with the Russo brothers. On the arm, a huge star. Just saw her in James Bond last year. The best part of James Bond, No Time to Die, in an action-oriented role. John Page from Bridgerton. Didn't watch Bridgerton, but a huge uh, on the come up. Going to be in Dungeons and Dragons next to Chris Pine next year. And you have one of the greatest actors, in my opinion, in Hollywood right now, and Ryan Gosling starring. Had high expectations. Yes, it did come down with the red notice a little bit, but especially with the last couple, the, just in 2022 from Netflix's earnings and their comments, but it was still high. Yeah, I just kind of find it shocking because 
when we found out about this movie, expectations were sky high. But I think when that movie uh, news came about two years ago, when Netflix got the rights for The Gray Man, our expectations go through the roof and we're saying, Gosling, Evans, oh my God, Russo Brothers. But fat, flash forward two years, right? A couple months before the release of this movie, all of a sudden the anticipation was gone, right? Why was the anticipation gone? Right. A lot of it has to do with Netflix and their failure to execute action movies that go from like these huge budgets and they translate to in-home entertainment. Right. A lot of like Red Notice is almost the perfect example of that. We're going to talk about how generic this movie felt compared to most action adventure movies. And maybe it would have done better if it actually got a major, right, let's say global release in theaters. Um, not to mention Russo Brothers. Last two years have taken a hit. They're not, they're not who everyone thought they were going to be following Infinity War, following Endgame. We saw Cherry. We saw them producing 21 Bridges. We saw them like producing other projects that I, I, I don't know off the top of my head right now. But seeing them go from Endgame, and then we see Gray Man with such an opportunity here. After their failures with Tom Holland and Cherry, we didn't have the same anticipation for this movie. We just said to ourselves, we actually went from thinking it's a guaranteed success to almost being a guaranteed failure, right? Because we almost feel like the Russo brothers needed to take uh, this property that didn't have a, a built-in story around all these characters and build it with their own. Could they do that? When you think about their success with their filmography so far, it's been Captain America movies as sequels. It's been building off MCU heroes that we've known for quite some time, building into Infinity War Endgame. Yes, they do a great job weaving in storylines, but those storylines have already been created and accepted by audiences right so they just had to do a good job of almost connecting dots and almost ending those storylines here they're being expected to kickstart a franchise and they don't have experience doing that right and so we already have news of a sequel coming for this film and a spin-off series are they going to be able to be successful who knows from here but expectations, I think, dwindled over time. Do we agree with that, Ricky Flex? Do you, did you feel the same way leading up to this movie as you did two years ago? Yeah, like when the news came out, I was like, holy crap, this is going to be my favorite movie of the year. Anna de Armas, when she like showed up, I'm like, oh my God, she's going to be in this movie too? Billy Bob Thornton, like he's yeah. barely in any movies and he's going to be in this? Is he going to be like a, like Friday Night Lights coach? Gosling coming like, back after how many years? Like what's the last movie he did? First Man? Yeah. First man slash Blade four Runner. years ago. Yeah. Like this was his return. So I guess where do we want to start, Ricky Flex? I think we should start off since we talked about we're comparing this to Red Notice. Um, maybe we talk about the tone of this movie. Like, what were the Russos going for? There's different subgenres within the spy slash action genre. Like when you were watching this, did you gain any like? Did you feel there was any inspiration from other types of action spy movies? And do you feel like it had a certain one that it was trying to dial in? But was it successful at doing so? No, that's. I think that's the big, biggest problems of this movie. Is it didn't have a tone to it. And I think if I had to describe yeah. this movie, like what it was trying to do, it was like, oh, let's just have to, like this guy with a terrible name six like let's put him as his number 
give him no identity, like give him some sort of backdrop, but not explained well, um, almost and then almost too uh, bluntly at a time, but whatever, we won't get into that. Um, and let's make him good looking, sharp. Let's make everyone dress well. Um, let's put in some quirky lines, some uh, funny dialogue that normally doesn't hit. And let's have a fun villain that dresses all weird, but stylish, I guess, in today's age. Kind of like a today's age espionage, but didn't execute well on the serious aspects of it. It's like it was supposed to be real, but also making fun of other spy thrillers, but it wasn't trying to make fun of them. Like a bad satire. Um Especially with Chris Evans, even though I do like the effort he put into this role, we'll, we'll get it funny at yeah. times. Uh, but yeah, and, and Gosling for the type of role that this was, I thought he was the perfect cast. I just think that everything ar- like else around it was just so poorly executed. It was tough. I know I'm going deeper than the question was, so I'm gonna hold off and yeah. give, it, give back the reins. So I do want to say what made this feel like a Russo's Brothers movie. It was this is not a good thing. When you look at the color palette, this is this is actually a huge topic of discussion earlier on in Twitter, I think a couple of days ago, looking at like Captain America Civil War, looking at the palette, and I think this movie actually looked like a, a, a MCU movie based on like like when I looked at the screen, just in general, like and like pick a scene in general, the blank color palette, like it just almost was too reminiscent of MCU movies. And yes, there were some moments like the first scene where there's like fireworks going off everywhere. They try and make it as colorful as possible. All right. But also it has like the global expedition, like Marvel movies. You have the, what Russo brothers love. They have the time, the, the, the title cards that tell you where you are and what time it is like that just plastered everywhere. But also going beyond that, like it feels like an MCU movie, but they're also, they try and like are pushing this cat and mouse type game with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, yet their interaction with each other is very minimal. feels like they're going for like this Jason Bourne type feel, but all of a sudden there'll be like action sequences that that are so absurd that they want you to feel like it's a Fast and Furious movie. Like yes. it literally, it like it didn't <laughs> know what it was. It's is it is it a Bourne slash James Bond type thing going on? Is it a Fast and Furious movie? Or is it a John to, Wick? Like in I was the gonna say, John scene? Wick when he's like taking on one versus twelve guys. Like, is that what you're going for? Because it seems like you're just paying homage to a bunch of the great action movies that have come in the 21st century, and, right? And then it's like it tried to make itself complicated with all these different storylines, and then making the conflict. Like adding conflict on top of conflict. I'm looking. Oh, at yeah, we gotta talk Butters about that. And a couple others. Not things. her Billy fault. Bob, I think she was good. Her, no, nobody's fault. It's the writing and the actual story. And if it's in the book, it's in the book. Guess what? It, we're adapting the book. We don't have to go buy the book. I'm not saying this was in the book or not. My guess is no, but maybe whatever. But I think that's another issue is where you have so many different conflicts building on <laughs> building, right? And you just can't find a coherent story. And then, like, think of John Wick. His wife died. He got a dog from the wife. The people killed it. And then he's going for revenge. That's enough. simple. We got it. And then that movie, critical success. How simple it was critical success. And right? You, you, you already knew like the backstory you needed to know about John Wick too. Boogeyman, a little bit of mysteriousness to him, but it, but it worked. It was perfect. And I'm not saying this has to be to the level of John Wick. This could be... uh. What's another uh, movie 
like I'm not I don't want to say boring. I'm trying to think about like a not as good like a nobody. I, I, I it's still Atomic good. Blonde though. maybe that's still good though. Like we're thinking of two good of movies. Like last action hero. I, what are you, what are you, what are you going for? Are you talking about like I don't know like not, like a like, like, like a, almost like a Die Hard. Yeah, the, yeah. The, like, There's a couple say- sequels to Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're saying the right type of movies. The problem is these are all too good to compare. I'm trying to think of a movie that's not that good, but I have so much fun watching it because it's so simple. The execution is there. It's like a Action. Liam Neeson movie, bro. Yes, Liam Neeson, perfect. Like the Wolf movie. Oh yeah, uh, the Gray dude. The Gray, the gray. was so entertaining. So that, entertaining. Was that movie the best movie ever? Simple. No. But holy crap, does that work? And then this movie doesn't work. But this movie should, like, this has all the other elements besides Liam Neeson that is better than The Grey, where it has the one of the best actors in Hollywood, Chris Evans, Russo Brothers, Honor the Armist Rising Star, Fruiter Action and No Time to Die, Regine Jean Page, Billy Bob, like, we could just keep going here. The book, it already had the story. Like, it just makes no sense what happened. I do want to say, because I think there was opportunities where, like, I it could have been like one of those Liam Neeson movies, or like even John Wick, where it can be redeemed by the action sequences. But I found that the action sequences, instead of helping and accelerating this movie, actually hurt it. Um, I thought where like there's they level, they pretty much level a city in Prague, right during the like the major action sequence in this movie, and the absurdity of that scene really takes you out of the movie because like they try and make it very realistic you have the cia like setting okay almost like a born type feel for a lot of it um but like and there's some things that happen in jason Bourne movies that like obviously this guy wouldn't get away with it all right but he's only taking on a couple guys right he's not like going in the middle of Prague. he's not chained to a bench getting shot at by machine guns at like a, a million bullets per minute and then, like, somehow surviving and then also ripping off, like, doors on buses and you're being hunted down for the next 20 minutes. Like, a Fast and Furious movie. Like, this had an opportunity to be a really good just action movie. But, like, you have those type of sequences that are just borderline absurd. And then on to Armas in the car. Okay, I feel like she's a little bit underutilized in this movie still. Definitely. Right? Even after No Time to Die, we didn't learn our lesson. She still is used a decent amount in this movie, but I feel like some of the scenes are kind of wasted and they don't end properly. But um, I think also a lot of these action sequences are actually dizzying. And I don't think that's very clear with some of these sequences. Like when they're fighting in the in like the helicopter scene where Billy Bob Thornton is like forced by Chris Evans's character to, inst- to instruct the spoilers, by the way. I, 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 we should probably preface that. I'll add in the beginning. A lot but, of people uh, have seen this movie. I'm guessing. You've yeah, seen it's this just like when listening. they have those sequences where Gosling is fighting those guys in the helicopter. I can't see what's happening, and it actually gives me a headache if I'm watching for too long of a time. That Prague sequence, I had the same feeling. Like this is all it's just too much, and it actually is giving me a headache. And it's like you have that Winter Soldier type of combat, that hand to hand that sometimes works with the Russo brothers here. It just happened. It seemed like it was happening too fast. I wasn't following as clearly. It was trying to be John Wick, but like it's just not the same as John Wick. You don't see every single move. It's cutting too fast. I just think it wasn't done as well, personally. When I think that would have been the strength of the movie, the visuals I thought were bad. 
the fireworks scene I thought was bad. I thought Prague, it looked fake. On top of the train, it looked fake. Everything looked fake, and yet this had a $200 million budget. And they were on site. They were on site in Prague, and it still looked fake. I don't know how that happens. And if you're in a movie theater, usually you could spot those that fakeness a lot easier. Like the visual, like poor visuals on a big screen. So much easier, right? And this movie, like a big action movie like this, filmmakers are like, oh, we want this to be on the big screen, right? But obviously Netflix, it wasn't going to be. But this movie, thank God it was on the big screen. Or I think it would be the talk, the, the talk, like that would overtake the talk of how bad this movie was. It would be how bad the visuals were if this was shown on a big screen. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just... Like that moment, that was the moment of the movie. Either it was a make or break when they were in Prague. It was like if you nail this scene, right, and you make it somewhat believable and somehow he gets out of this or he gets captured, who knows? Like it make it somewhat believable, then you're not going to take the audience out of it. But when you turn to the lat level of absurdity, I feel like you just are you, you there's no turning back. And I'm not going to – the visuals weren't as bad as Red Notice. The bowl scene. No, the, that CGI it was literal bad CGI. Scene. And the green screen at the end, like there's a bunch of bad in Red Notice. It's worse, and I had the same budget. So, that like, movie's great. a lot worse, in my opinion. Yes. I think yeah, that was I movie. think that movie is light years worse than this movie. But I still am not gonna. I gotta stop, like, because that. All right, after I finished watching this movie, like Ryan got, I you, I think you could all tell I love Ryan Gosling. So to see him on the screen again was awesome. We're so, about like, to go to the performances too. So if you so, want to like, kick it off now, go ahead. Yeah, like I, I love seeing him on the screen. It's been so long. I was just like, crap. Like, I'm not gonna say I enjoyed myself, but I'm. I was just like, damn. Like, you know what? Like, worth my two hours or whatever. How long this movie was? It felt a little long, but um, it was worth my time. And you know what? Like, I'm still glad I watched it. You know, because I saw these stars on there, right? And I saw this big production, but this movie wasn't good. It wasn't. And I think I'm just, I don't want to be overshadowed by these stars. I think I was at times just because I was happy to see them all on the screen at the same time, like an ensemble, right? That's what draws you to a movie theater is these ensembles, big stars, A-listers. And that's what I was doing. I was getting caught in the trap. I got caught in the trap. But it's like, thinking about it, it's like, yeah, I didn't have a great time watching this movie. I had a good time with people. Right. And I, I think we should, I think the next place we should kind of, um, turn to is the performances of this movie and i think you gotta lead off with gosling once again he's doing he's kickstarting this blockbuster franchise for a streaming service four years after his last film with a damien chazelle film he's been in the press a lot as ken right with doing these test screening not start not test screenings promotional tour for the gray man with the blonde hair he's been on twitter instagram social media in general next to Margot Robbie wearing these like high highlighter type suits, 80 style suits for Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie movie. Very much in the pop culture right now. It felt in this movie, he was almost doing, first of all, I didn't mind him in the movie. I didn't think he was bad. You know, um, we haven't really seen him take on an action style role like this before. He hasn't been a part of major IP franchises yet. Right. Uh, but, I almost felt like a little bit of like a Ryan Reynolds thing going on with him in this movie where he's not really being more than himself. What we know about him through these promotional tours, he's a cool dude. 
he's a funny dude. He's a sarcastic dude. And I felt like he was just being himself throughout this movie. He's in the Chris Hemsworth phase right now. And what I mean by that, what do I mean by that? I mean, hey, like you're doing half Nelson, you're doing uh, first man, Blade Runner 2049, all these place behind the pines. You're doing all these serious roles and you're an introvert. Non-IP, you know? Non-IP, you know, uh, oh, Blade Runner. yeah, for the most part. But it's just oh, like, Blade, yeah, Blade Runner, no one saw that like, movie. Hey, it's like, the sequel's ever done. And like you think of Chris Hemsworth, you're thinking Thor, Thor Dark World, and everything before Ragnarok, not utilizing his like funniness and like his charisma that he shows in his Twitter videos and his social media, right? Brian Gosling kind of has gone away. Like nice guys, La La Land. Um, those are like the two, I think, right? The two that are kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. So like he's like shown glimpses of it. And this one, it's like he was so reserved, which he's so good at. But then, like, he still had some funny dialogue. But it's like, you know what? Like, maybe he just needs a role like Ken and Barbie, a Ragnarok to kind of break out to show that full diversification to the max where he can be a dramatic and crazy, stupid actor. love, dude. Was that was that where everyone found out what he could be? Like, where, like yeah, crazy, that's crazy. good. Yeah, because like before that, you talked about half Nelson place behind the pines, like Oscar nominated actor. He, he was amazing. But like he has kind of gone more mainstream ever since crazy, stupid love. That yeah, was big the kind short. Of big short. They kind of like made that turn a little bit. Not only is he making Oscar nominated movies and a great and great independent films, but he's making like mainstream blockbusters now. Okay. And then also just mainstream uh like Oscar worthy films. Like, you know, he's just been more in the culture after he wasn't for so long. Like him, he was married to Eva. Me he like, I don't know if he's married to Eva Mendez. I know he's had a couple kids with her, right? And she is very much not in the spotlight anymore. And then he kind of has lived a private life up until now. And now that we're being so exposed to him. And then I, now when I watch him in this blockbuster type streaming service movie, right? Quote unquote blockbuster. It just seems like the guy I'm watching in these like promo videos that I see on YouTube. I just feel so much like him. I just feel like we were never exposed to him. Right, he was never in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was never in Fast and Furious. He was never in uh, like DC. He's saying he wants to be in part of Marvel now. He wants to play certain superheroes. He's gonna be a Barbie. He's gonna be a Ken doll. You know, to me that's just it's just like we're being a, we're like overexposed to him now, and it's just caused me to kind of like feel like he wasn't as you just playing himself. Like it just felt like Reynolds playing himself in Free Guy. It was Reynolds playing himself in. A red notice. I felt just Gosling's just being Gosling is just being ripped in a good looking guy and sarcastic dude in Gray Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you mean. I think he could have been even more like more on the comedic edge if to be himself. That's what I'm saying. To be himself. And I'm not saying he's bad. Himself. Like honestly. Yeah. Like, and I don't like, think he was that bad either. I I I I think if I had to say best performance, I would say him or Julia Butters, to be honest. Like, I yeah, think Chris me Evans, too. I don't think Chris Evans was bad. Let's talk about Chris Evans. I just think he was over the top. He leaned into it way too I, hard. After Captain America, I, I I just really think he was trying to get away from it. But then I also think it kind of was the story as well because he's torturing people, but he's only like taking fingernails off. It's just like he's supposed to be this gruesome guy that goes out of the or like out of the box. Shoots um, random like, people, just shoots them. Like, I'm not paying your bounty. I'm not paying this bounty. Shoot, dead. But how do I torture you? I'm just going to rip off your, your two of your fingernails. Weird. Very weird. Um, 
Um, but yeah, I I don't think he was like. I don't want to say he was bad, but I don't want to say he's good either. I just think he was over the top. I think. First off, the dialogue doesn't always help him in this movie. There's some mm-hmm. parts of the dialogue where it's like a little bit cringy. Other Harvard parts he pulls. Other parts he, was awkward. But other parts he pulls off very well. The I think the part that's awkward about this, it just seems so obvious. He's trying to get away from anything remotely close to Captain America. I think that it's just so clear. Like you see what he did in Knives Out. It was a lot more subtle transition. Right, kind of a slimy dude. He kind of pulls off that look, but now you have him with this like buzz cut military look, right? Like like buzz on the sides, hair up top. Then you got this mustache. You could just he's trying so hard to be like a James Bond type, like American villain. You know, it just seems like he's trying to be so evil and trying to be so far away from Captain America that it actually turns off the audience, where it's just like. You're trying too hard, like you're talking about. That's exactly what was happening throughout this movie. And there were some points where I thought he was stellar. And there were some parts, like his the hand-to-hand combat, that last scene with Gosling, that's entertaining. That's what I wanted to see throughout this movie. And I wanted to see more interaction between his character and Gosling. Because you only really got that scene at the end. You got the middle fight sequences, and they like spoke on the phone one other time. I wish the Russo's brothers leaned into more of that cat-and-mouse game lean more on the star power of Evans versus Gosling. Okay. And uh, I think the movie would have been better, but it's just, I, it was just like Evans once again, getting away from Captain America, trying to be this character that just is so separate from what audiences are aware of just to show that range that may not be there, but maybe we're just not used to it or never will be. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think it's a great point. Again, we're, this is spoilers. So it's not really, you're not spoiling anything here, but it's good that he's not going to be in any of these spinoffs or sequels, right? It's going to be good because you know what? He could, this could be a one and done. And you know what? He can continue post Captain America life. He's going to be in a movie with Ana de Armas and Adrian Brody next. He's, he's doing the ghosted uh, one with Scarlett right, Johansson. That, that, oh, is she not in that movie anymore? That's Ana de Armas. Was she replaced? Was it, it used to be Scarlett Johansson for uh, Apple? Okay, I guess maybe I'm misremembering. Okay, because I think because uh, I remember that was supposed to be right, he was reuniting I, with Johansson. Right, but I thought that Anna de Armas replaced her, but maybe I'm wrong there. You you're the doctor. That's well, that seems more of like his. Well, I, I don't remember, but that seems more up his alley. And he he used to do rom coms beforehand, and we know he has a little bit of comedic chops from his time in the MCU. I think he's more suited for that than being a James Bond villain. It's just it's just it just didn't fit from the start. Are you looking yeah. it up right now? Uh, I was actually looking up the other two movies. Uh, he's doing a movie with Emily Blunt that's actually kind of serious, and then he's doing one with Dwayne Johnson that's. There's no plot, but it's called the red. It's called Red One, and it's with the Rock, so it's probably gonna be oh, it's, that's but a Santa Claus movie. Red One, that makes sense. Um, I'll look up the ScarJo while you go. You uh, no, I'm just gonna talk about the other supporting performances here. I think the Armist was fine. I don't think she blew me away by any means. I think uh, she was kind of like utilized in a similar way in No Time to Die. She get a little more screen time here, a little more interaction with Gosling's character. But I felt like some of the fight sequences were cut short, especially at the end. There was a dude she was fighting, and like he just stopped and he just gave away the chip at the end. For spoilers, read if you've seen this movie, it was just a really awkward and weird scene. For Jay Sean Page, I thought was terrible. I've never seen him before. 
in any Awful. type of movie. Like him, like throwing like coffee at the screen, so one note, and uh, just trying to be that evil CIA operative. I thought he was just terrible. Like I really just didn't enjoy him at one bit in this movie. Again, like I had never seen him either. Did not see Bridgerton. Only heard good things. He's getting cast in all these different projects. He sucked in this. He was the worst performer out of the bunch. He was really yeah. bad. Um, I don't think Billy Bob Thornton was that good either, but like very limited. And I thought it was uh, fine. Just, like, honestly, I thought I thought it was fine. But like, I just I, I don't. That's just felt just weird having like, him in that movie in such a minor role. He was like the fifth main character. Yeah, for such a big star. And by the way. He is still, she is still in that project, but it's Project Artemis that Jason Bateman's directing, not Ghosted. On a day, him and Ghosted. Okay, cool. All right. Um, honestly, I don't know how much we have to say regarding the rest of this movie, other than what's the direction for Netflix in the future? Because they said they're going to stay away from vanity projects, they're going to stop giving away endless amounts of money to these acclaimed directors, yet they want to have more success in creating the next quote-unquote Harry Potter franchise, the next major franchise that they can call their own. Like, what should their identity be in the future, Ricky Flex? Coming off the gray man and whatever you want to call this is success or a failure in their eyes. I st Again, like we talked about earlier, what are these streaming services good at? Like we talk about Disney Plus, they have the kids IP, they have Marvel, they have Pixar, they have Star Wars, like they have all this great IP, they lean on that. They lean on their IP. Warner Brothers, all right, they're still figuring it out, but you know what? They know they're good at TV, and they also have a huge studio that's iconic. All right, they have that. What should Netflix do? What was Netflix good at? They're good at shows, binging, right? Bit for binging is not a good, uh, good for subscribers though, because you could just leave the next month. So you got to do the weekly releases or monthly releases, monthly drops, like they've been doing. So you got to do that, but you're good at binging. You're good at these television shows for quality. I think you do that. You got to go for quality. I think this stage of just putting, like trying to create your own IP is out the door. And that's why they say like this Harry Potter that they're searching for. You just don't come along with that nowadays. They bought the, was it them? Apple. They, that bought the raw doll. Was it Netflix? They Netflix bought the raw head. doll. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie and Chuck chocolate factory and all that stuff. Yeah. That, I don't know. Is that going to be it? I'm not sure. Just buying this IP or trying to create it through adapting novels. I'm not sure that's the way to go. Graphic I novels. That's the way to go, bro. Like you just, it's, it's like, you got to find, you got to try and find what Amazon did with the boys, right? You could find something like that, that almost has a built-in audience, but also is different from like a, a popular genre like that's what you got to do. Like superheroes are big. Like Sandman, can you make the Sandman your next like almost Game of Thrones? Can you make these graphic novels that have this built-in fan bases into something that is like quality on screen? Because what we've seen so far is that they can't take these popular novels in like these action adventure type novels and turn them into success. Right? Can you, how about with something with an actual built-in audience? Like Gray Man was was a, was a great book, apparently. Right? It was like a good air, airport book. You can see whiz by it in one sitting. Okay. But can you get something like what the boys have with Amazon? Can you get something like you're not going to be able to find Marvel, DC, like Disney Plus and HBO Max have? Can you find that thing? It's just really, really tough. And I think they're just going to keep swinging for the fences. And I think Gray Man was one of them. 
it's just like they spent $200 million on Red Notice, $200 million on this, and they're going to spend another $200 million on the sequel and moving forward. So that's $600 million minimum there. And then you spend um, $400 million on the Knives Out Knives 2 out. and 3. Yeah. So that's a billion dollars. Okay? A billion. You know what they could have done? Since they don't have any IP to lean on like Warner Brothers do, do or a Disney does, they could have just went out and bought MGM. They should have bought a. They studio. might just have. They might have to do that, like a merger but, of some sort, like that. I don't that's know not who bad. they buy. Like it's like they they missed out on MGM that who were on the block, and guess who got them? Amazon. Yeah. Amazon got them, and they already had the subs because everyone has freaking Amazon Prime. They just want more people because they just want to gobble up, and then they have Thursday night football. They, they might got, be in the like. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And Apple, their their iPhone company, their phone company, they're gonna have money. They could they could have bought MGM too, but you know what? They're focused on the quality here. They're building out there. They Apple's know what gonna they're be doing. fine just because like, Apple vision. always succeeds in any manner they do. It might just take a little bit longer. They're gonna be fine. Yeah. Netflix was the first on the block, and now they're lagging behind it a little shows, bit. I'm just, shows, I'm just thinking. I was I was just thinking like Netflix, like literally. I don't know what they could do other than lean on Stranger Things. Like that. That's like their thing. That is their Harry Potter. That is their superhero franchise, right? And that's why they have so many projects in the works with Stranger Things because I think that is their meal ticket, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Did you see that Stranger Things, the latest season, didn't surpass Squid Game? No, I didn't see that. Squid wow. Game still got more viewers. That's shocking. That's gr- Maybe they lean on Squid Game. Maybe they do an American... You know how Parasite is doing like an HBO Max like series with mm-hmm. Ruffalo set to star? Yeah, and maybe they can do that same type of thing with Squid Game, create an Americanized version of it. Okay, maybe an American spinoff, right? That's mm. not a bad idea too. Take advantage of that. Like the Squid I Game is yours. Do it. Another thing, um, I'm not into this, but this is just another thing I was thinking of. Something that's big right now that I just haven't gotten around to watching. I tried. I know my shout out Nikki P. He's probably listening to this. He's a he's big into this. But not a lot of streaming services are big with anime. Netflix, if they just threw cash at anime and be like the anime, they've Avatar. Like, That's huge. That they could do that. Um, I think they're making a movie Shutter, with that too. It, yeah, like they could buy Shutter, the horror streamer. They could buy that. They, like I, I, it's just it's tough because what we're all saying is money. They have to spend more money. But like that's the problem. They shouldn't be spending more money because they don't have unlimited cash flow as proven this year that is gone now those days are over and what did we just see with now we're doing full circle what did we just see with warner brothers earlier they're cutting off projects even when they're done before they're getting released and netflix right also like we talked about they're still cutting off uh, uh series after one season because they're not efficiently deploying capital deploying cash to these projects because they're not good at it because they don't have a vision like all these other, like Apple does. Be a, like be a studio does. or like be a streaming, other- streaming service. You know, be a, be a, if you want to be a studio, right? Get treated like a studio. Have an identity, right? Streaming services don't always have those identities. I mean, like Disney has a clear identity. I think HBO, Ma- HBO Max is on the way to creating that identity too of that high quality production. Uh, Apple TV is very in the early stages here. Netflix is kind of kind of lost in the sauce here. And I think if you had to give them a reputation right now, it's it's not exactly the best. Uh, all right, so let's give a score. To Red, uh, let's give a score to not Red Notice, but Gray Man, and then we'll get out of here. 
I'm going to put the star-studded bias behind me. 36. Wow, Jesus. I, I Okay, yeah, I'm giving 52. I, like, I, like, I'm not going to – I did like some aspects of, of Evans here. I liked Gosling here. I like Julia Butters. We didn't talk about her much. Uh, even though it was some dizzying action sequences, I still thought it was an entertaining ride, right? Story was bloated, but yeah. All right, 36, brutal. <laughs> Any thoughts before we wrap up? Real quick, Julia Butters, do you know her next project? No. The Fablemans. All right, okay. Going to yeah. be in The Fablemans and Jessica Henwick. Glass Onion. Underutilized in this movie, by the way. Jessica and Henwick also, was, I didn't think she like was very eight. good in it. Well, she would just wasn't given anything to do. She was like the second in command to like Chris Evans, you know. She was the and, doormat. No, she was not she was nobody. Um, all right. That's gonna do it for our review of the gray man. All right, check it out on Netflix right now. That's gonna do it for also episode 131 of the drive-in podcast. All right, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you hit that follow button. Make sure you rate us five stars, leave us a review, all right? And we'll shout it out on the podcast. Uh make if you're Make sure you're following the blog. Make sure you're following also the YouTube, social media, Instagram, TikTok, at the Driving Pod to stay up to date with all the movie news that's happening in the world. Like that we just brought up with the emergency podcast for uh, Batgirl. That's going to do it for episode 131. For Ricky Flicks, this is Dr. O. Until next time, we will smell you.